following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Thanks for hitting play on this week's conversation of Normal Goes a Long Way. I'm your host, Jill Devine, and this is part two of the conversation between Brandon Janice and me. So if you haven't heard part one, I encourage you to go back to that episode, listen to that episode, and then come back to part two. As a reminder, this is a conversation that I had with Brandon on my other podcast, Two Kids in a Career. The original air date was February 24th, 2021. So we're going to pick up from where we left off from last week, even though it's from 2021. Am I confusing you? I know, I know. But we are going to get to present day in next week's conversation. But let's finish this conversation first. One of the things that I know that you shared on Instagram recently was a dance party that she had and had it with the kids before. What was it was not too far off before she passed, correct? Yeah. So that was, gosh, that was three nights before we went to the hospital. Um, and then, and then never came out. So, um, I know she was in so much pain because I remember telling me that night because so, so the, the cancer was all in her, her back. And so she just had so much back pain and, and just debilitating. Um, and I don't know where she got the strength to, to have that final dance with, with Cooper, my, my middle girl who, who was her dance partner. Um, but she did, and it was such a special, beautiful, uh, uh moment that I think we'll cherish forever. And I think maybe that's where, when you were saying for someone like me and others who get really sad and I'm crying. And I think it's because we do think about those things. Like our family loves to have dance parties or I can't imagine saying goodbye. And I don't really know how I'm trying to word this, but it's very easy probably for people like me to be super sad and super emotional because you know, we're not in the midst of it. Like what you were saying, it hit me was there have been things that you, you had to deal with and you had to, to, to face head on and, and not that it's makes it easier, like you said, but it does kind of make it easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's again, it's hard to explain because, because you're, you're not in it, but when you're in it and you're able to prepare, um, for, for what's to come. Um, it's, it's crazy. And again, I, I tell every couple should have some of these conversations. Every, every, uh, loved one should have these conversations. Um, I, I didn't know Rachel didn't want to be buried. I didn't know she wanted to be cremated. I didn't know that. And I'm glad she was able to tell me that. So that's not something I had to decide or, 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 or talk about, um, and, and make that decision. I did, you know, there was just certain, you know, whether they were medical things, whether they're financial things, there were certain things that we were able to talk about. Um, and even to the, to the, to the point of future relationships, like Rachel 
was so adamant on me finding someone again and, and giving me that permission, you know, not that I needed it, but it sure does make it easier as I go on in life, knowing that Rachel said, you, you have got to find love again and, and I'll be their number one fan. And <sighs> as long as they're good to the kids and they're good to you, um, then, then this is great. And so just things like that, where I know some people would be like, you better not, <laughs> you know, Rachel was, was much more, she was just selfless, so selfless to the very end. Um, and again, you just, you know, you don't know, you don't want to know when you're going to die. Nobody yeah. wants to know when they're going to die, but when you know, you're going to die, Jill, you are able to prepare and you're able to have those tough conversations. And, um, it's, there's just something so special about, um, about that and just being able to prepare everyone for, for, for life after Rachel. And, and so many people have stepped up. So many of our girlfriends have just, you know, taken the role of mom to my girls and, and helped me with, with doctors and dentist appointments. Cause I didn't do that. And, you know, just things that I didn't think about cause I didn't do Rachel had set in place. So it would be easier on me. Death has always been something that I have never really been able to talk about. And I remember having yeah. that conversation with a friend of mine and she said, you know, what really, I don't think anybody loves to talk about death, but what she had said was her faith had, had made her be able to be okay with it. And I said, well, I don't understand what you mean. She's like, oh my gosh, I get to go to Jesus and heaven in this beautiful place. And I have definitely come a long way in regard to my faith. And I, rem I remember I was pregnant with our youngest. She's two. And my husband and I, we were having a date night and I brought it up. I was like, this is so not a date night conversation, but we probably should have a conversation about our deaths. Like, do you want to be cremated? And we, we had a little bit of the conversation. We have not finished it, but we started it. And, yeah. um, you know, listening to you, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be finished, but I hear a lot of people talk about how the death situation for them is so much better because of Jesus and knowing where to go. And um, yeah. don't get me wrong, Brandon, like I think it sounds glorious to be in this beautiful place. And as I'm learning more about Jesus and I'm learning more about, you know, the Bible and everything, but I have a hard time saying that I want to go, if that makes sense. Like I can't, I have a hard time just processing that as far as being like, well, the minute I say that I'm ready, I'm ready to go. That means that I don't want to be with my loved ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I'm not ready to go. Um, you know, we joke around, around these parts that I'm kind of the most valuable family member in all the family because my, you know, my kids need one parent, right? So right. Um, I'm going to stick around a while, you know, God willing. But you know, that's, a, that's such a, I, I don't know how well I can speak to that because other than, than watching her, I, I wasn't, I wasn't her. And the, 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 um, the realness of the conversation and the fact that when she knew she was going to die, she was able to say, I know I'm going to die. 
I have very little left to give. So all I'm going to give is Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. When anyone comes in this room, I'm just going to give hope and I'm going to give Jesus. Um, and, and that's what she did. And, and, and I, again, I just watched it over and over and over again, but I was not the one dying. Um, I was, I was losing the love of my life and it was so hard to watch, you know, a lot of times, but at the same time, you know, as I said, it was just such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful process. And it, you know, she, she didn't, she didn't fear it. She accepted it. Um, and, and it was, it was, she, she, she's a much better person than I am. And I remember her saying something about not fearing death because as long as she was alive, she was alive. And then once she was dead, there was nothing more to worry about. And so <laughs> she just lived while she was alive. She lived as well as she could and just knew where she was going. And it was just I remember my pastor coming in one day who visited often and, you know, in the hospital, there was, there was three or four times we thought we were going to lose her. And so there were three or four times I had, I said, bye. Um, and, and that was not the, the most fun thing in the world to, to continue to do that over and over again. But I remember him, we just knew we we just weren't getting better. And the doctor just kept telling us, you know, like, yes, we, we believe in miracles, but there's just nothing medically we can do. And she just kept hanging on, hanging on. I remember my pastor coming one day and saying, it's okay to be relieved when she goes. And that was a big thing for me to hear um, because it was a lot for me being able to, to not being able to be dad and not being able to be home and my kids, you know, um, not having mom or dad. And, and we were so grateful because we had her parents here. And, and that was a, a great, you know, season for, for the kids to have grandma and papa living with us. Right. Um, but there was a, there was a little bit of a relief because I didn't have to watch her hurt. I didn't have to watch her on drugs. I didn't have to watch her uh, with the uncertainty and the pain and the, and all the things. And um, I do remember that, that day, thinking, okay, it's over. It's over now. And being, I mean, sad, and, and this was all with tears, but there was some sort of relief. And this may sound terrible to those listening, but just knowing it was over and she was healed and I could go be dad. And that's what mattered at that time. I don't think it sounds terrible at all. I think that it makes complete sense. And when you're talking about these things, you know, sometimes you go, I think well, a friend of mine called him, you know, the faith crisis when something, you know, bad happens, whether it's sudden or even this, like you start to question your faith or what have you. And mm -hmm. sometimes I think about, you know, that we are on <laughs> this earth for a purpose and Sometimes I think, okay, once our purpose is done, then Jesus is like, come on home. And there are some situations where I'm like, I don't know if that's, I don't know. It like kind of gets convoluted at times, but I think I'm speaking for you, but what the, the, the thing with Rachel, of course, her kids would love to have their mother. Of course, her husband would love yeah. to have his wife. 
But from my understanding and just the brief time we've had together, like she has made such a difference on so many Mm. people. Like she was a disciple for sure. That's so true. Um, Gosh, there was, there was atheists that were on the floor that were nurses that, that came to know Jesus. There were people that had wandered away from Jesus that came closer to Jesus. There was doctors that, that, you know, had the idea that, that, you know, only medicine can heal that believe then, no, that's not true, you know? And, and, you know, Rachel's biggest fear was, was that people would turn from him because she wasn't healed. Mm. Um, that was her biggest fear as she, as she continued to get worse, that, that people are going to turn away from Jesus because I'm not getting better. And so she, she, you know, gave every ounce she had to make sure that didn't happen for people and that um, her, her purpose was fulfilled and that she, you know, you nailed it. She, she was a disciple till, till the very end and brought a lot of people to the kingdom and, um, you know, left this place so much better. She left, she left this earth, you know, people try their whole lives to have an impact and, and, and Rachel did it in, in such a short life. Uh, for so many people. She just loved so well. Um, and she loved she loved as close to the love that Jesus has for others as I've seen in a human being. Um, a selfless, unconditional, beautiful love. And, um, you know, I was just the, the lucky one that, that got to get the most of that. Man, she just is incredible. And I know I can't meet her right now, but I can meet her in my prayers. And I'm definitely going to introduce myself because she can teach so many of us so many things to do. Like, it's just hard sometimes um, to live in the moment at times. And you know, I hate to have a story like Rachel's just kind of snap me out of it sometimes, but oh, that's clearly what needs to happen. We don't take we don't take a moment for granted anymore um, because we just don't know. And life is so dang short. You know, three and a half years ago, Rachel was perfectly healthy and there were no issues and we were living our life and we were doing the best we could. And um and that changed. And then we had one focus for, for two years was to keep Rachel alive. And what we learned during that time is that most things don't matter that much. And for two years, there wasn't an argument. There wasn't a disagreement. There wasn't there because it just didn't matter. All that mattered was taking care of each other and making sure that we kept her alive. And I hope that I continue to live my life realizing that most stuff is kind of stupid and the (laughs) things that we argue about and the things that we get frustrated about and the things that stress us out um, usually work themselves out and, um, and just don't matter. And so, so, and I think she taught a lot of people that, that, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And is this grudge worth having? You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Is it worth, um, you know, being upset with so-and-so? We don't, we just don't know. And um, 
I just want to continue to love well like she did and 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 so many others have have been inspired by her to do the same thing and I think again I the ripple effect that she had um I think she left the world in a better place and as messy as it feels sometimes and maybe I'm in a bubble but um you know those that she was able to impact um, I think do love better and do hug longer you know, pandemic or not. And it's just, it's just a, a beautiful um, representation of some of the things that she left behind. You know, you started kind of the, the, the podcast with the, the super dad thing and just making experiences for my kids and, um, you know, saying yes before no, um, just, just living and doing and realizing that um, the mess doesn't matter and the laundry can wait and the, um, they can miss the day of school. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying not discipline. I'm not saying have to be the, the fun dad all the time. Cause let me tell you, it's hard being good cop and bad cop. Rachel was a great bad cop and now I've got to be both. And it's, it's not fun a lot of times, but I want my kids to, to be kids. I don't want them to feel like they had to grow up fast because mommy wasn't here anymore. I don't want them to look back on that time and think, man, that was hard. You know, I want them to be able to enjoy the short, time they have as kids just be able to to shower them with with fun and love and and also discipline because i want them to be great kids um and mind their manners and be kind to other people and love people well um and so again all of these things are a reflection of of rachel and the things that were important to her we don't have much time left um so there are a couple of questions that I do want to ask before I let you go. But first question is, how is Brandon? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I am, I am good. Um, so we're coming up on the, on the year anniversary. And so this season last year, this, this month that we were in the hospital was, was, was hard and long and the memories that pop up you know, every day on social media are from this season. And I was telling a, a widow or a friend of mine, I said, man, I wish I could fast forward through this month and just get to the other side of the first year. Um, but just because March 2nd comes around doesn't mean things are going to be better and easier and there's not going to be more, uh, you know, struggle and heartache. And um, so, I think the first year from what I'm hearing from those that have gone through this is, is the hardest. Uh, and we're, we're almost, we're almost through that. Um, but I'm, I'm happy. And, um, I have most days are filled with a lot more laughter than anything else. And, um, I, I have joy and, um, you know, I, I have my time to grieve. Um, and, I, you know, I, I welcome that time. Um, but again, through the, the preparation of the conversations we were able to have, um, I miss her like crazy and I'd give anything to have her back. Um, but I, I know where we are where we are. And um, I'm just trying to figure out 
like I said, the, the being mom and dad and good cop and bad cop and, and maid and, and um, gosh, house cleaner and laundry person and, um, you know, soccer mom and all the things I'm just doing my best to, to, to balance it all. And, and, um, and I'm failing a lot <laughs> and I know um, my kids would love to have their mommy cook them a good meal. And I know um, they would love to have a dance party with mommy. I know all these things, but I'm just doing the best I can to, to give them all those things. I'm not trying to replace mommy because no one can ever replace mommy. Um, but that's a very long answer to I'm, I'm doing well and I'm in a good place and um, I'm happy. I miss her, but I'm really happy. A lot of those things that you said, it's the same for all of us. We're mm -hmm. just trying to to make it. I, I joke around lately, like minute by minute. That, that's yeah. what we do, minute by minute. Um, it makes me happy to hear that you're happy. Um, I actually have two more questions. I lied to you. Uh, what's her favorite concert tea? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great question. So Bon Jovi. So, ah. Uh, yeah, Bon Jovi was the first concert we went to together. And I think the the one person she would have left me for. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a popular, popular question yeah. or a popular guy amongst some women. So sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, now my final question, what does the listener need to do? What do they need to do to help you to help their self? I will share the one thing that I didn't realize I was going to start doing until now. But one thing that you kept saying throughout this podcast, and it's a hashtag that you like to use, love like Rachel, I am going to put that all over um, my planner, my house, wherever I can to remind myself in those times where maybe that argument starts to happen or something starts to bother me. I want to look to love like Rachel because that's a great reminder. Well, that you stole mine, but I'll, I'll come up with another one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I think, no, I think, I think be present. Um, one of the things that, that, that Rachel uh, taught me, and it took a lot because I could work 24-7. And as, as a man, I felt like that was my job to provide and to work and to just hustle. And that wasn't, that meant nothing to Rachel. What meant something to Rachel when everything to Rachel was, was for me to be present. And, um, I remember earlier on in our marriage, the kids were, I think four, three and two or four, three and one. Um, I was traveling a bunch and Rachel decided she was going to go with me and the kids were going to come with me. And we ended up getting a motor home for a year and they traveled around the country with me. Um, because that was important enough to her to pick up her, you know, the life of she and the kids to be with me everywhere we went. And what that taught me is that um, the webinar can wait, the client can wait, the, um, you know, the call can wait. Um, what matters most, most of the time is, uh, is those kids and your spouse and being truly present with them. And I've tried to continue to do that. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking my phone matters more or my work matters more um, than, than them. And it's amazing what happens when you give your kids just 10 minutes of undivided attention 
and have conversations with them or wrestle with them or play Legos with them, uh, how, how important that, that is to them. And so um, be present, be present in your conversations with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. Um, again, something Rachel was so good at was just being in the moment, living in that moment uh, and being present. And so between loving like Rachel and being present and not taking a dang second for granted, because we just don't know. So to love people well, love people hard, hug them longer. Rachel was a, known for long hugs, uncomfortably long hugs. She just wouldn't let you go. Um, and I know with the pandemic, the hugs are the hugs are few and far between. But when we can get back to to hugging, you know, just hug and hug hard. Um, and I think that's the best advice I can leave you with. Such an amazing story, and it continues. So since this conversation in 2021, as I mentioned, a lot of amazing things have happened to Brandon and his family. And one of those includes a book deal. So in our next conversation with Brandon, we're going to get up to speed present day, what's been going on and learn a lot more about him and the book and how the kids are doing. Here's a little preview of that. That's when my perspective began to change. It took me living in 40 feet and nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no office to go into, no door to close, um, doing our entire lives together for a whole year, uh, again, with three kids under five. That's when I began to realize how off I was, how my priorities were totally out of whack, how everything seemed more important than the most important thing, which was Rachel and the kids. I'm very open about how bad I was. One of my buddies read the book and he's like, bro, you really beat yourself up. I feel like someone needs to come in here and, and talk about you're not that bad, but I was that bad.